0: Gunning for this one from the beginning.
1: No, I've just been gunning for you to fucking finish it.
0: No, no, because back when we, before we even, um, like in season one, before I even started reading the book, you were really keen on having Moby Dick be one to be on the list. Well,
1: I, I want to know about this whale. What's up with them?
0: Well, I'll tell with- you, but before we start today, I actually have to do like a little correction. <laughs> One of our biggest fans, Jack McGorlick, <laughs> uh, wrote he, in. He did? <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, apparently, I made a, a little baby mistake. What did you do? Oh, Jack McGorlick, by the way, is um, a very funny comedian, part of Paul Noodle, PhD candidate. You can catch him most every comedy festival. When is other... there ever
1: going to be a comedy festival?
0: <laughs> it's, it's over. It's it. Comedy has been canceled. <laughs> Until further notice. Until further notice. Well, Jack told me that he was listening to our episode on Pride and Prejudice. Whoa, and, well, the first one, the beginning yeah, yeah. episode. Whoa. Yes, and... Um, what did you do? So when Mr. Wickham meets Mr. Darcy, I said something like, they both go red or they both go pale. Whereas Jack was very insistent on on making sure I understand that one of them goes pale and the other one goes red, famously so. <laughs>
1: Well, if it wasn't in Bridget so. Jones' diary, it doesn't have to be here either. <laughs> yeah. So, Jack, thank you for writing in, but you can suck it.
0: <laughs> Alana, what were you going to say about that look on your face? Who goes red and who goes I reckon. I would Wicom have to actually gone look pale, up.
1: and I reckon. Should we check? Party I, think,
0: I don't know if she said it. Well, we'll just take Jack's word we'll for it. We'll take Jack's word for it. I believe him.
1: Any other corrections from the general public? <laughs> Write in. Tell us. Yeah, tell us what I've done wrong. wrong. Yeah, please. I love a good grading system. So we okay. are we're sipping some tea. We are. Sorry about that. full of croissants and cheese. Um, Strawberries. Strawberries. This is a literature.
0: Sure is.
1: With Cassandra, Cassamantha
0: <laughs> And Alana. Kalana. <laughs> oh, but like sure. in
1: the dark. In the
0: yeah, in the in the quietly, corner, quietly the cut corner. On. You ready to um, dive into
1: these the murky ocean of words? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: dive into an um, ocean of metaphors. It was, it was such a trial to read this. It was also a
1: tribulation. It
0: truly, and I was telling Alana that I'm I'm but a small boat on an ocean of words. Well, you like boats. I do. Well, I used to. So oh, the no. book opens. <laughs> Oh, no. the book opens not with the phrase I've got a story for you Sonny," as some would have you believe oh who did that? you did that I know
1: <laughs> wouldn't, have been, wouldn't you have had less of a hard time if it did start like that because you're like oh I'm in French right.
0: <laughs> but it actually opens with the famous words call me Ishmael Alana's nodding, Alana knew <laughs> Ishmael is a sailor in between jobs or something in NYC <laughs> There's a lot of that. And he talks about how he feels this inescapable pull towards the ocean. How a lot of people, like, a lot of men experience, like, this pull towards the ocean. It's that's almost just you. Suicidal. Oh. Uh, <laughs> like, it's like, well, I just want to go to sea. I want to leave everything behind and go to sea. You're pointing at me. Because that's you. Sure. <laughs> what do you mean, um, sure? I'm wearing my ship socks today. I don't know if anybody noticed. No, uh, because no they're...
1: Tucked away. I was
0: wearing them before. They, I tucked them away under the blanket.
1: Why would I just look at your feet? Oh my, Tarantino.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Easy targets. <laughs> he's the only one. He's the only famous uh, person with a foot fetish. Is he really? Mm-hmm. He has a foot um, fetish. When him and Kate but he's Winston, so handsome.
1: What? Well, only uggos can have foot fetish. <laughs> <laughs> foot fetish. 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 Um, yeah, when him and Kate Winsett were filming that awful rom-com, *The Mountain Between Us*, um, they had like a sex scene, and he like said, "Hey, uh, don't take your socks off, okay?" And she was just like, oh "That's my the God. opposite of a foot fetish." Isn't Hang it? on, I'm not done. <laughs> yeah. And Sorry, she was then. like, "Oh, why? Are my feet ugly? Oh no!" He's like, "No, uh, I really like feet," <laughs> and he didn't wanna. Oh no! <laughs>
0: hmm I bet she has beautiful feet, though. Probably. It's Kate Winslet. So, Ishmael decides to put out to sea again to get away from it all. He can't bear to be a... Pas- he can't bear to be a passenger, partly because he's a cheap bastard. So he's decided to do what he usually does and enlist as a crew member. To get a holiday and get paid. Oh, my God. Like,
1: cruise... Oh, sorry. <laughs> People that work in-, in cruise ships?
0: Yeah, except with, like, a hundred times more chance of dying.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, less karaoke. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there was a bit like sea shanties. And oh, stuff. I <laughs> yeah. But I guess they didn't singing have... on the high seas.
1: I guess that is the only karaoke back then. Yeah. Just singing out loud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Someone's like holding up the words. <laughs> like... Written in quill. <laughs>
1: Uh, but someone's got like a sandwich board on.
0: <laughs>
1: like um very Chalk. much like yeah. Marlon Brando filming Godfather. Yes. Yes. Everyone just has his lines on <laughs> the front of their shirts and he's just like
0: Yes, Al Pacino, I mean <laughs> So however, this time Ishmael wants to do something a bit different. He usually joins merchant ships, so they're just carrying goods and stuff across the seas. But this time he wants to join a whaling expedition. Oh whale.
1: <laughs> so, yeah
0: so there are whalers that leave from new york but ishmael is a hipster of sorts and he only wants to do the whaling experience authentically What the fuck? i've got put it in like this between those little mm-hmm. swirling
1: <laughs> is ishmael the kind things. of guy who would have like you know those beanies rolled up
0: oh yeah like in
1: brunswick because yeah. that's like
0: a sailor thing anyway i know yeah. i always imagine it to be i don't know if that's true I'm kind of imagining Fisherman. he
1: kind of looks like Jack Antonoff now, so that's who. Jack I've, Antonoff. That's who I cast him as. I've in gotta my head. look him up. I love long. how both of you just started looking him up now. Well, what kind of accent? Accent? X. He's Jewish.
0: He's, he's Jewish. Jack Antonoff.
1: Hmm. 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 Or should he be older? I don't know. Oh
0: yeah, that works. It works. It works. No, no, he's quite young, I think. Oh, yeah. I would say mid to late 20s. Ah, perfecto. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Perfect. Perfect.
1: Bellissima. Jack
0: Antonoff has been cast. Now, he determines to go to Nantucket. Oh,
1: great.
0: Which is an island off New England, Massachusetts, north of NYC, south of Boston. Where's my... For all you geography fans. out of Boston. 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 Mike
1: wild name.
0: Yeah. That's <the> one <laughs> He misses way. the last ferry to oh. the island of Nantucket, unfortunately. So he has to find a bed in New Bedford for the night.
1: Ah. <laughs> Luckily.
0: <laughs> He's like, well, hopefully there's a, a lot of ants here.
1: <laughs> Are they new? He's <laughs> like, where do I go, New Bedford or Old Sleep on
0: the floors. <laughs> After fucking around for a while in New Bedford, he eventually finds the Spouter Inn which he describes as the right amount of rough and dingy for Ishmael's authentic leaning tastes. Oh, fuck this guy. (laughs) Inside the inn is a huge oil painting that's so grimy and dirty that it's impossible to tell what the painting is of. After much consideration and not a little bit of pondering, Ishmael decides he thinks it's a seascape and the big dark shape in the middle is a whale attacking a ship.
1: It's actually a Rorschach painting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Impaling itself upon the and he's
1: like, I, It looks like a woman arguing with a man. <laughs> and he's just like, it looks like my parents getting divorced.
0: <laughs> the inn is at full capacity, much like the inn that Joseph and Mary tried to stay in in the Bible. And like Jesus, Ishmael will have to share a room, a bed actually... Donkey. With another man, a dark complexioned hapuneer. Can I um, named so, so, uh named Queakwag.
1: So with with that Bible thing that you added in there, was that in the book or did you No, I that? did I did that. You did that, okay. What what is the man's name? Quequag. Oh
0: Queekwag! I saw him in the
1: a pop-up book. I was mm. like, what is this? Quick
0: <laughs> Quickwag's the best. It's also the name of Scully's dog in the X miles. <laughs> so there's that.
1: So I I'm talking about Brooklyn Nine Nine. I'm like
0: no 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 this wife right? Or his dog, off. they or still don't know. <laughs> we went for a walk in the park.
1: Peanut butter,
0: she'll eat it right out of the jar. <laughs> so now Kuqueg <Kwee-Kweg> is out <laughs> in a boot. so Ishmael passes the evening with some wild mariners while he waits for Kuiqueg to come back. He learns that Kuiqueg is out from Beak big. <laughs> Get up. <laughs> he learns that quick is out peddling shrunken heads, hmm? which freaks him out a little.
1: <laughs> as it should.
0: Uh, eventually, his queasiness about sharing a bed with a dude he doesn't know prompts him to try and sleep on a bench. It doesn't go as well as he hoped, so he eventually bucks up and goes to the room. Mm-hmm. When Quick Quag gets back, i are last, gonna keep
1: saying this name. Can we just call him like Q Man? No, <laughs> Quick <Quique-queg. And, laughs>
0: When Quick Quag gets back at last, <laughs> Ishmael pretends to be asleep, watching him with like one eye open. Um, his, oh my God,
1: he's Bella in Eclipse. <laughs> yes. It always comes back to that.
0: Um, Ishmael's a bit freaked out. Quick Quag has swirly tribal tats all over his body, and a tomahawk pipe, which is a which is actually a Native American thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not Native American. He's, he's South Pacific. So, Queequeg sets up and worships a small dark-coloured idol uh, made out of wood uh, to complete the picture. When he tries to get into bed, he discovers Ishmael's already in it. And there's some hilarious hijinks as Queequeg threatens Ishmael with his tomahawk. And Ishmael calls out for the innkeeper who sets everything straight and we all have a good laugh about it afterwards. <laughs> And he introduces them properly so they're able to at last what a snuggle green, up. Little meat cute. For the night. Absolutely. Meat <laughs> quite, quite cute. At this point, feeling more charitable and less racist, Ishmael decides it's better to share a bit. Less racist. Oh, I forgot to tell you what year it was published. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, Atlanta can use <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Feeling more charitable. And less racist. Ishmael decides it's better to share a bed with a sober cannibal than a drunken Christian. Um. Yeah, he's he's a cannibal. He has shunken heads. 1851. Yeah, so like before the Civil War and everything.
1: Thanks, Alana, for that ultra zoom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. Ishmael watches the cannibal.
1: How does he know he's a cannibal? Is he just assuming? I think he he's does racist? just assume. Yeah. Just because he has got he's got like swirly a little... tats
0: and a little idol. Yeah, and he's like,
1: yep, cannibal.
0: Um, and maybe that's just what they call them as well. Mm-hmm. Like, not even referring to, like, just called <laughs> islanders cannibals. Just... Mad fuck, bro. Yeah. Well, it that's... is mid-19th century. It's about yeah. the most mad fucked it's ever been. You
1: heard it here first. This <laughs> is racism. Mad, <laughs> mad fuck, <laughs> <fucked>. bro.
0: <laughs> so he watches Queequeg Quag don a fancy hat and boots and shave himself with his harpoon. He marvels at the savage's understanding of civilized manners. There's going to be a lot of this. Just buckle in. Cured of racism, Ishmael gets breakfast with Queequeg and then wanders around town a- for a bit. He remarking- cured of racism? yeah. He's you know like "I'll be the racist dragon" by Flight of the Concords and it was like, and he wasn't racist anymore. God, God I need to rewatch really that series. Yes, I do. <laughs> so they get breakfast together and they wander around the town a bit, remarking on how the great mansions on the island and the finely dressed women all owe their existence to the high price that whale oil fetches. Sure. While he's out, he goes to a little chapel where he sees plaques commemorating all the people killed or lost at sea. And he wonders if heaven is so nice why do the living mourn the dead so much? Ishmael and Queerqueg listen to a sermon by Father Mapple. Preaching from his ship-shaped pulpit. And I wrote cool in brackets. (laughs) Um, Mapple's focus is the story of Jonah, the man who was swallowed up by a whale. whale. Yeah, yeah. For trying to escape God's commandments? Yeah, we were all on the same page. There's whale. The next chapter is Ishmael holding court over how lovely Quee is. His manners are so good. He's so clean and tidy. He calls him George Washington, cannibalistically developed. So he's like, if George Washington was a cannibal, he'd be Quee it's, it's complex.
1: <laughs> Quee like, man, my favorite food is... And then fucking um, Ishmael goes, yeah, people, I know. <laughs> Quee Quake's just like... I was gonna say, like, oysters, but okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) According to the customs of Queequeg's home, he and (laughs) Ishmael... It's like Marmy. This is the cutest thing ever. According to the customs of Queequeg's home, he and Ishmael are married after they socially smoke the tomahawk pipe together. Queequeg therefore gives Ishmael half his belongings, and Ishmael even gets in on the idol worshipping justifying it as an adherence to the golden rule like if he wants to get quick again on the jesus train he's gonna kind of have to show him the same di- like respect and deference for his religion right so he's
1: like Yo, know, how long have they been hanging out for when is the couple boat? couple
0: days yeah been... <laughs> i don't know I buddy What is the next boat out that <laughs> <laughs> sounds like they've they've it's just an odd couple yeah yeah they're just an odd coupling it up in nantucket for the moment one night when they're snuggled up smoking together Queer recounts (laughs) his life story. He's from a South Pacific island called Kovoko, which is not down on any map. True places never are, according to Herman Melville. So the king of the island, he's the king of the island's son, so he's prince. But before he takes over, he wants to see the world, learn about Christianity and whales, I guess. Fucking
1: Ishmael's like, Christianity?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, He tried to get a job at a whaling ship stopping by in Kovoko, but he was denied a job probably because of his gnarly... Travel tats. So.
1: Could have just worn like a long sleeve for the interview.
0: <laughs> just a tie. Yeah. <laughs> Calm his down.
1: I'd like to whale, please.
0: <laughs> I have zero
1: experience. <laughs> but um, I'm willing, I'm able,
0: I'm enthusiastic, I'm a fast learner. Mm.
1: And uh, whales are cool, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Kwee Kwee stowed away on the ship and used his persistence and charm, presumably, to eventually get a gig as a whaler. In the years since, he's become a skilled harpooner. Um, Which is a guy who steps the wheel. He admits his father is probably dead by now, which would make him king by rights, but he reckons he can't go back because his experience with Christianity has defiled him and made him unfit to rule.
1: Sounds like he just doesn't want to rule.
0: (laughs) The couple go to Nantucket. The couple! (laughs) With a wheelbarrow full of their things. (sighs) And Ishmael notes how the people look at them weirdly. (laughs) um, Y'all ain't ever seen... A white man in love with a South Pacific. Y'all never
1: seen a married couple around here? (laughs) Well, not them, I guess.
0: Um, Though there are people from all over the world in Nantucket, it's still weird for a white man and a, quote, savage to behave like best friends. Queequeg tells Ishmael stories about the first time that he used a wheelbarrow. He picked it up instead of wheeling it. crazy guy. It's just in there on the ferry to Nantucket some asshole makes fun of Queequeg <gasps> Queequeg lifts him up and body slams him Good. <laughs> and is subsequently told off by the captain however a moment later a rope in the ferry's rigging breaks and the asshole is swept overboard as the ferry goes out of control Queequeg takes charge of the ropes to secure the ferry and then dives into the water to save the man who's gone overboard which wins everybody's respect
1: Queequeg
0: he's a hero he
1: really is the beast best <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. ishmael pauses the story here to tell us about the island of nantucket in deep detail no thanks then we go to an inn and eat chowder and it's excellent
1: yeah everything
0: on nantucket he says is touched by the sea the milk tastes of fish and the innkeeper's wife wears a necklace of fish vertebrae
1: yeah. okay
0: now yojo the little wooden idol
1: yojo that's his name y-o-j-o yeah
0: yojo no has apparently told Queequeg that they need to find a ship ASAP, and he tells Ishmael that he has to choose the ship. Mm. Ishmael decides on a ship called the Pequod, which is named after an extinct tribe of Native Americans from around that place, which is might tell you something about the fate of the ship. <laughs> but anyway. Ah. Um, <clears throat> so she apparently has an old-fashioned, claw-footed look about her. Which is actually a description that I like a lot.
1: Claw footed, claw footed, like she's the like ship. Ver-
0: yeah, she's like the ship version of like a claw footed bathtub. Like she's just a bit.
1: Yeah, that's, doesn't sound goth. that seaworthy.
0: Well, um, and she is apparelled like any. I hate I hate this so much. Apparelled like any barbaric Ethiopian emperor, his neck heavy with pendants of polished ivory. So it's decked out in bones, basically. Presumably whale bones. Um, (sighs) Yeah. On board, (laughs) Ishmael makes a deal with Peleg and Bildad, which are the last names of the ship's Quaker owners, who are characterized Peleg and Bildad. They sound like hobbits. I know, I'm like, (laughs) wait, what? (laughs) They're characterized as conventing cheapskates and bitter taskmasters. Oh, great. Thanks, fuck although Quakers are generally pacifists. um, And also, I think it's implied that the main religious group in Nantucket, these two, Peleg and Bildan, have dedicated their life to the bloody slaughter of whales. Great. Good for them. After evaluating what portion of the ship's profits Ishmael will get as his wages, Peleg finally gives him the job. At this time, Ishmael also learns that the ship's captain is a mysterious man named Ahab, who is Mm. named after a wicked biblical king. Ahab has been moody and secretive since losing his leg in an encounter with the great white whale Moby Dick. Oh,
1: There you go. Title Mobius Dickius.
0: <laughs> Bildad and Peleg believe that believe in his competence, and they also believe him harmless. He since he has a young wife and an infant child waiting for him at home. Harmless, I guess like he's not gonna. Do you
1: reckon the DJ Moby got his name from Moby Dick?
0: Potench. Potench.
1: Potench.
0: Hmm. I don't know, like where else would he get it from? It's not that common a name. Moby. <laughs> <laughs> he's, um, he's like I so, love tunes yeah.
1: and I love whales. Yeah. <laughs> what am I so they're do? like they
0: think Ahab's a, a good solid captain. I've heard that name, yeah, Ahab. Though the owners object first to his paganism, oh. Queequeg impresses them with his skills by hitting a tiny spot of tar. On the water with a harpoon. Yo. Yeah.
1: Mad, Mad skills.
0: skills. <gasps> <laughs> they give him an even bigger cut than Ishmael will get, which is fair enough because harpooning is a very necessary and dangerous job. What does
1: Ishmael do? He's just...
0: just a sailor. On their way out, a heavily scarred man named Elijah confronts the two and warns them that signing onto that ship will take them into peril, and he implies that Ahab is a crazy person. Kurtz. Just saying soothes. Sooth saying. You gotta say them sometimes. Sometimes you just got a sooth in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
1: Just a lad with a sooth in my heart.
0: I got to say it.
1: And I got a sandwich board on me. Whatever was the
0: opposite. And there was like, son, your father was a soothsayer. His father before him was a soothsayer. And you'll be a soothsayer, too.
1: I don't wanna. That's
0: your dream, Dad? No.
1: no. It's Chad Michael Murray and Cinderella's story. <laughs> uh Everything always comes back down Chad Michael Murray in a Cinderella story. Because, <laughs> you know, it's his dream,
0: Dad. <laughs> Just saying the sooths, but he's creepy and he looks weird, so they ignore him.
1: As a soothsayer, usually yeah, sooths.
0: Sooths. Over the next days, as they prepare for the voyage, they he- hear... Yes, they hear... Sorry.
1: Why? Wouldn't you write?
0: Head. Um, they hear Ahab has recovered from the loss of his leg and that his health is improving. Oh, good for him. Does he get a little pig leg? He does. Dope. Um, Approaching the Pequod at dawn, that's the ship, um, Ishmael thinks he sees sailors boarding the ship in the half-light and reasons that the ship must be leaving at sunrise. On their way um, themselves to board the ship, Ishmael and Queequeg encounter Elijah again, and he has some sooths to say. He asks whether they saw anything looking like men boarding the ship, and Ishmael replies in the affirmative. However, when they get on board, there's nobody there except one (gasps) old sailor who informs them that the captain is already aboard.
1: So the captain is like ten people in a trench coat.
0: Perhaps. As the sun rises... (laughs) You just busted this thing wide open. Moby dicks. (laughs) Um, As the sun rises, the Pequod's crew assembles and gets ready to sail. They leave on a cold Christmas morning. Christmas? I know. Why wouldn't you just wait a day? I guess. I don't know.
1: But then it's Boxing Day after. You don't want to miss out on the sales.
0: <laughs> the sales? A lot of thought that was
1: funny. Oh, this. Come here, I'm going to fucking do
0: <laughs> No!
1: I almost just launched myself at her. <laughs> just, like, push the microphones off the- Just straight up beat.
0: Bildad and Peleg pilot the ship out of the port, and Ahab still has not appeared on deck.
1: He's mysterious. He
0: surely is. Ishmael finds himself a bit disconcerted, and he falls to meditating and speculating, which earns him a kick and a scolding from Peleg.
1: Good.
0: The Pequod (laughs) is soon clear of the harbour and on the open ocean, at which point Peleg and Bildad ditch and take their little boat back to Nantucket. I don't know why they had to pilot it out of a
1: bay. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Did they just? Custom? Were they really
1: good at reversing the boat?
0: <laughs> it's like a dad who won't let you like re- like, like a park his car. Park.
1: park. <laughs> it's your dad. Yeah, it's my dad. Dream.
0: He can't watch me pull out of the driveway because it gives him too much stress. Apparently, bless his heart.
1: Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. It's alright, it's his fault for giving you such a huge car when you're so you're so little. He
0: <laughs> should have okay. given you like
1: a little smart car. You know, that was your plug-in. Mm-hmm.
0: The Pequod, on the other hand, plunges light f- like fate into the lone Atlantic. Sure. And now after three pages of my notes, we are finally at sea. Now we have a lot of chapters about bullshit. <laughs> One about a random named Bulkington who dies at sea, who Ishmael reckons Aww. is the better for it, not dying a coward or whatever. Then Ishmael goes in a multi-chapter tract about why whaling is good and important and everyone should be impressed.
1: <laughs> then he gives us a couple
0: of portraits of the characters on board the ship. So the first mate, second in command after Ahab, is a man named Starbuck.
1: Oh. Like Perhaps
0: this... the original. I actually didn't look it up. It could be because it is it could like be a named... mermaid. Yeah.
1: Starbuck just one <laughs> I would like one Starbucks it's never mentioned piece. whether he
0: likes coffee or not and I will pay with Starbucks
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's be walking into a Starbucks
0: <laughs> how many Starbucks for this coffee <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have several
0: <laughs> so he's pragmatic reliable moral dignified
1: yes Alana It was named
0: after there's apparently a mining town in the book called
1: Starbows <laughs> um but then he thought of the, the first name of the Pequot, Starbucks when they were designing the logo and stuff. Because it was either going to be called sure. Cargo House, Ew. The the book, or Pequot after the ship. Sure. Uh, but people wouldn't make fun of it because it's P. Yeah. Starbucks, uh, like,
0: damn. I'm pretty. There you go. Yeah. He is the original. Trendsetter. Um, so yeah, so he's pragmatic, reliable, moral, dignified, says his prayers every night. He's a good guy. He's played by...
1: Um, Sean Bean.
0: Uh nah.
1: Brendan Gleeson.
0: Uh, Ewan McGregor. Uh,
1: good guy, pragmatic, Killian. No. Um, <laughs> wait, hang on. Let me think. Good guy, mm-hmm. pragmatic.
0: Liam Neeson? Yeah. Aside from
1: the racist bashing. From the, yeah, apart from that. Liam Neeson as an actor, not as a person. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we've got...
0: In, it's a dream cast, and in our dream, Liam Neeson isn't a racist.
1: Yes. Jack Antonoff is Ishmael. Uh, we've got Liam Neeson as Starbuck.
0: Starbuck. Who, Who is Quake?
1: Quake? uh Like, Who's Ving like? Rhames?
0: What's he in? Perfect.
1: Huh?
0: <laughs> um, hey, Alana, Ving Rhames. Someone really charming and lovable. It, it, it,
1: it, it, it. Is he huge? Is he built? I imagine him as like a huge dude. I reckon
0: like regular, like regular height, pretty, pretty tough though. Really?
1: I imagine him literally as the guy in the green mile.
0: Right. No, he's. Because he's quick, you know? Because he's a harponeer.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Um. And he's like. Native?
0: Yeah. Um, no, no, he's not Native American. What is he? He's South. Like Islander.
1: Okay. Um, like
0: South Pacific like Tongue.
1: The Rock. <laughs> is it the... Is Queequeque the Rock?
0: Yeah, all right. All sure. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all fine. Right. Okay, so we've got the Rock is Queequeque. We've got Liam Neeson at Starbucks. Sure. Uh, who else?
0: We need an Ahab.
1: Ahab. Uh, is it just Marlon Brando with one leg?
0: <laughs> like a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's keep going. Then we've got Stub. Hmm? Um, And he's a native of Cape Cod who's always cool under pressure and is jolly and good-humoured, if a bit impious.
1: Brendan Gleeson. Okay. No?
0: Yeah. The third mate, Flask, is short, stocky guy who's aggro and doesn't give a fuck about the dignity of the whale.
1: Danny DeVito.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Did you Um, say aggro? Yeah.
1: God, I've never heard you say that.
0: They each command one of the small whaling boats, basically rowboats that are sent out after whales where the actual fighting and killing takes place. So those are the officers. Then we have the harpooners, which are unofficially the next most important men on the boat. Yeah, of course. Each officer has one, because they each have one boat, yeah. and they each have one harpooner per boat. So, Queequeg Kwe is Starbucks harpooner. Yep, so we that
1: ha- is Liam Neeson and The Rock. Great combo.
0: <laughs> then we have Tashdego, who is a Native American, from gay head which is in Massachusetts so
1: uh native oh he's the
0: oh my god he's got to be big and tough as well
1: he is, oh he's not big but he's pretty tough um Fargo season two the, I haven't seen it oh um Bone- to Tomahawk. Tomahawk. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only mm. uh like native American he's like one. Uh, what's his name well, you know what? What about the Native American guy in the Eagles? <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's he just old. brother,
1: Mia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we need more Native American actors. Though, yeah. I'm just like, fuck,
0: I'm out. <laughs> this is what's making us realize that. <laughs> just trying to cast us. Uh, but yeah, put down Fargo
1: season two.
0: So he Stubbs's his harpooner. And then we have Dagoo. uh at- and I'd like to disclaim here that I don't approve of the language used to describe him. However, this is what Herman Melville wrote. And I think it's important to acknowledge that this is how it's written. So, Dagoo is a giant coal-black Negro savage from Africa. No country specified.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, 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 he can be the, the, the guy from Green Mile, then. Sure, yeah. Or just Ving Rhames. <laughs>
0: Um, Melville does say he has an imperial bearing. Anyway. Yeah, I am
1: racist, but...
0: <laughs> like... <laughs> Y'all
1: seen this whale, though?
0: <laughs> anyway, he's a harpooner on Flask's boat, so those are the three of them. that? Flask is Danny Vito. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Ishmael notes that few whalers are American-born, except the officers. Um... He says the Native American liberally provides the brains; the rest of the world is generously supplies the muscles. However, I don't think he's talking about actual Native Americans here, but just white people. Yeah, I was like squeeze <laughs> Anyway, the rest of the crew is international, but we're all part of the brotherhood of man. Am I right, comradeship? There's also Pip, a poor black boy from Alabama who beats the tambourine on the ship. Pip. Yep. Not sure if this is an actual job or. And I didn't finish that sentence.
1: Okay, a little guy explaining Tambourine. Is it Kevin okay. Hart? He's
0: so old now. <laughs> but you know, this guy's supposed to be like thirteen. <laughs> well, <laughs> Kevin Hart as a thirteen-year-old. His voice is higher.
1: Yeah, and he's so small. Yes, Mr. Ahab. So, what was I looking
0: for? Fire season two. I've got two questions. Fire season two. What yeah. At what was I finding? Um, the, the Native, Native American, American actor. character actor. Um... Oh
1: well I've got another option for yeah, so that's Zion McLaren. Sh- show us show
0: show Sandy the, the, this
1: guy. Yeah, him. Oh, he's then, quite
0: old. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, just imagine I'm, them in their youth. Yeah, in his youth maybe. Michael Horse, who's in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. He he looks like him. Oh yeah, he's also, also super old. old. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> they're all old. Um what's well, we can choose an era of an actor, can we not? Yeah, yeah we yeah. can. We can do whatever we want. No, it's a movie Oh, never
1: mind. Okay, um, yeah, so Kevin Hart is a tambourine boy.
0: <laughs> Not sure if that's an actual job or... <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> okay, so this is from Spark Notes, and I just wanted to include this. Okay. Critic Alan Heimert has suggested the pairing of the mates and harpooniers mirrors relationships of oppression in the 19th century. Starbuck represents New England, and just as this region depends on the Chinese South Sea trade, he depends on Queequeg. Um, Stubb represents the American West, and his power derives from his subordination of the Native American Indian Tashtago. Stubb <laughs>
1: is Gleason, right?
0: Yes. Flask represents the South, and both controls and depends upon the African Dagoo. DeVito. While these pairings do reflect larger social structures, however, they also involve relationships that are much more complicated and much more interdependent than simple master slave or boss worker exchanges. So that's just an interesting angle on that. Anyway, as the Pequod strikes out to the south, the weather gets better, as it will, when you get towards the equator. Ahab at last appears on deck.
1: Marlon Brando with a peg leg.
0: He appears strong and willful, although his last encounter with Moby Dick left him scarred physically and mentally. He has an ivory peg leg made out of a whale jaw. Dope. And a Harry Potter scar down one cheek.
1: Fucking oh, dope.
0: He said a, a lightning shaped scar. So, it's so like, Harry Potter, it's Harry Potter scar. scar. Rumor has it that the scar. Wait. <laughs> Does the scar <laughs> hurt when he's near the whale? Well, rumor has it that the scar suddenly appeared during some elemental strife at sea. But I think it was Baltimore
1: Yeah. So, like, when Moby's near, he's just like, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, he maintains a firm dictatorship on board and restlessly paces the deck all the time. When Stubbs complains about the pacing, Ahab calls him a dog and. <laughs> what, do you... oh, okay. I wrote, what do you call it when a bully pretends to punch you and makes you flinch?
1: Oh. <laughs> um, it's a game of. Um... Chicken?
0: Not yeah. Right. Is kind it? Kind
1: of. Yeah. It's like
0: just the... like, ha, I made you flinch. Like, he does that, basically, to Stubbs.
1: And then the st- I'm guessing Stubbs flinches. Concedes all his okay. power.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, this next part is an entire chapter. Ahab decides smoking doesn't soothe him anymore, so he throws the pipe over the side and resumes pacing.
1: That was an entire chapter? Yes. How? How? Can you just... I know I know you've condensed so it. So
0: many words.
1: How many words can you possibly
0: come Too up with? Too many.
1: Like, he does not, like... How do you say... The <laughs> how do you say... It? <laughs> Into the lung. <laughs>
0: okay. The next morning, Stubb tells Flask that he dreamed Ahab kicked him with his ivory leg. And all the mermen in the dream points out the futility of struggling against Ahab and suggests that it may even be an honor to be kicked by such a man. As Stubb finishes telling him, telling Flask of this dream, Ahab shouts at the crew to be on the lookout for whales. The Pequod's work has begun. Whales. Whales, which is a great time to take two full chapters to talk about the science of whales and list all the different kinds of whales and do a full literature review of whale science books cool. and then analyze the whaling industry. And then we're going to talk about... Is this anyone's
1: favorite book? <laughs> Whalers, perhaps?
0: Write in if this is your favorite book.
1: Yeah, if you, if you are a whaler... Actually, maybe don't this. write
0: in. <laughs> I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh. But what if they're, they're just looking for other wailing enthusiasts? <laughs> they should hook up with Herman Melville because he, he's an enthusiast and, and a half, dead. yeah. So we're going to talk about the officers at dinner, which is a rigid sort of pageanty affair with strict order of service followed. After the officers finish dinner, the table is relayed for the harpineers who eat heartily, which intimidates the cook for some reason. <laughs> the cook's
1: like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, they're hungry. <laughs> The cabin is not a comfortable place for anyone, apparently, anyway, as it is Ahab's territory and Ahab is inaccessible and an alien or something. Oh Ishmael. my God.
1: Sorry. You know the little black kid playing tambourine. Yeah, pip. Yep. If this was um, remade, it'd be some white guy DJing and it'd be Moby <laughs> On the deck. No. Get it? No dick. No, it's just Kevin Hart.
0: Okay. Ishmael talks about how he sits up on the masthead. That's his job. So he's a lookout for breaching whales. And while he's sitting up there...
1: Oh, he's the guy that gets the Titanic killed.
0: Yes. Okay. Um, he often daydreams and falls asleep. And he warns captains against hiring romantic, melancholy, absent-minded young men like himself who are likely to miss whales. Ahab finally makes an official appearance before the men. First, he stirs the crew by calling out simple questions about their mission to which they respond in unison. I can't remember what this is. Something like, what are we? Whalers! What do we want? Whales! Whales. Some shit. When (laughs) do we want it? Whales! We want whale time. (laughs) Anyway, he then presents a Spanish gold doubloon. Truly worth a pretty penny. He says, whosoever of ye raises me, a white-headed whale with a wrinkled brow and a crooked jaw, ye shall have this gold ounce my boys so the men cheer, and oh. the happy nears ask if it is Moby Dick specifically Ahab seeks of course it is Ahab then confesses in response to Starbucks query that it is indeed Moby Dick who stripped him of his leg
1: how chomped it but just the leg yeah not his whole body yeah but a whale is so huge like the mouth remember maybe he was finding, trying to get him and he almost got away. remember like in Finding Nemo yeah they were very small
0: fish though as well
1: (laughs) but still it is big yeah it is big oh my goodness gracious whales are so Um, scary don't even try to catch them just leave them alone
0: i wish they're
1: so big like their heart is the size of like this whole fucking house probably
0: (laughs) (laughs) he announces his quest that he's gonna hunt this whale down in revenge the men shout together that they will hunt with Ahab, though Starbuck's now like, ah, oh, nuts, because he, quote, came here to hunt whales, not his commander's vengeance. Ah, nuts. Ahab commences a ritual that binds the crew together. He orders all of his men to drink from one flagon that gets oh. passed around, which is unsanitary.
1: I thought it was going to be like a trustful or something, like some team <laughs> building exercises. <laughs> like light as a feather. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Telling the harpooners to cross their lances before him, Ahab grasps the weapons and anoints Queequeg, Tashtego, and Dagoo, My three pagan kinsmen there, yon three most honourable gentlemen and noblemen, that's what he says. He then makes them take the iron off of the harpoons to use his drinking goblets.
1: Nah, dude, don't do that.
0: They all drink together as Ahab proclaims, God hunt us all if we do not hunt Moby Dick to his death. And everyone else is like, no, sure, just you. <laughs> Okay, chapter thirty-seven, sunset begins with a stage direction. What?
1: That's weird. So,
0: yeah, some of them he writes as like soliloquies and like stage scripts and stuff. We'll let him get a a very very publisher.
1: Just like yeah, whatever. (laughs) Yeah,
0: pretty much. So this is a melancholy soliloquy by Ahab, alone near a window. He notes that everyone thinks he's mad, and he kind of agrees with them to a certain extent. He calls himself demoniac and madness maddened. So he's maddened by madness.
1: Maybe Ahab should actually be. Brendan Gleeson, but Brendan Gleeson as Mad Eye Moody.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: right. Because he also a peg has leg. like. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we have to recast. Um. I don't know, man. Brendan Gleeson, but not as Mad Eye Moody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Ahab reveals that it was foretold that he would be dismembered by a whale. He proclaims, however, that he will be both prophet and fulfiller of Moby Dick's destiny. He accepts the inequality of the battle and challenges Moby Dick, claiming that the whale cannot avoid his fate.
1: Who named the whale?
0: I'm, I think it's just like... Ahab. <laughs> it's, it's, he's like a folk legend. Oh, this whale's famous. Yeah, he's the white whale. And he might be, honestly, a conflation of multiple different white whales.
1: Yeah, I know. But everyone's like,
0: sees a white whale and they're like, I saw him!
1: <laughs> oh... Yeah, it's like um in Nathan for you when he has a bunch of those
0: lookalikes.
1: <laughs> yes, his. that's M- Moby Dick is Nathan Fielder, <laughs> and he's got a bunch oh, of other. Oh, can white you videos. imagine
0: Moby Dick? You had like um his thoughts, like as a voiceover by Nathan Fielder. Yes, it's like <laughs> I'm trying to.
1: If I was Nathan Fielder, as Moby Dick, what we would don't I have say? to fight.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't want your leg.
0: It seems like you want me to want you. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. I'm not Nathan yeah, Fielder. Meaning that he's a genius. He really is. So Nathan Fielder, please sponsor us. <laughs> Ahab says, quote, The path to my fixed purpose is laid with iron rails, whereon my soul is grooved to run. Meanwhile, Starbuck is also soliloquizing in the next room or something. <laughs> Though he fears me. that all will turn out ill, he feels inextricably bound to Ahab, compelled to help him to his, quote, impious end. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> when he hears the revelry coming from the crew's forecastle, don't know what that is. I guess their wreck room. Rumpus room. <laughs> he laments the whole doomed voyage and the latent horror in life, providing yet another perspective on the voyage. Stubb. Yeah, believing it all to be predestined can only laugh and sing a ditty he doesn't mind it's sort of
1: oh he's, he um, believes in determinism
0: <laughs> yeah um, chapter 40 midnight forecastle is how scripted many cha- how many chapters over a hundred It's scripted like a scene from a play and presents the sailors all of different nationalities showing off and singing together so it's all very nice um, they get into a fight when a Spanish sailor makes fun of Degu the onset of a storm however halts their fighting and makes them tend to the ship Hip asks the big white god, who may either be God or hate Hab, to quote or Moby Have Dick. mercy on this small black boy. True, true.
1: On the small black boy.
0: <laughs> it's Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we get a chapter on Ruby Dick at long last.
1: Finally. Like fucking forty chapters in.
0: Yeah. Ishmael notes that sperm whale attacks have recently increased and that superstitious sailor regard the attacks as having an intelligent, even supernatural provenance. Moby Dick is one figure that they fix on. He's, like, this unkillable white whale. Some say he's immortal, or he can be in two places at once. What? No, he's a whale. Yeah. Um. So Ishmael talks for a while about the merit of some of these rumors, like how far and fast whales can actually travel, the possibility that you can catch a whale in the Pacific with harpoons from Greenland, like, stuck in it. Sometimes they just swimmer like they get harpooned and they're like fuck you and they just go along and they just have harpoons stuck in them. Yeah, they're just like just live their lives.
1: They're just like don't worry about it. (laughs) It's
0: like it's like a piercing. piercing, Yeah, (laughs) septum piercing.
1: All right, you want to add me? (laughs) I got harpooned.
0: (laughs) Gently. (laughs) Just like a cattle. (laughs) Moby Dick has apparently eluded capture many, many times and exhibits an intelligent malignity. Like, he's as smart as a human, if not, like, an evil dragon from Lord of the Rings.
1: I'm sure that wasn't in the book.
0: That wasn't, but I'm making it palatable for the listeners. Are there dragons with Lord of... Smaug. Smaug, yeah.
1: Benedict Cumberbatches, yeah. Yeah. No one cares about Uh, the Hobbit series, though. What
0: if Smaug was voiced by Nathan Fielder? (laughs) (laughs) Think about that for a the second. The most
1: dead inside voice. You know what? Um, I just watched the episode where he does the shipping. You can't have
0: thing. this. It's mine. <laughs> Why are you in my house?
1: Um, where he, he makes that band, the bonsai. Yeah, yeah. And he sings that song that he wrote. <laughs> oh my like, God.
0: Uh, I love one man. Nathan Fielder.
1: Yeah,
0: Ishmael explains... That Ahab lost his leg when he tried to attack Moby Dick with a knife. What? <laughs> after the whale destroyed one of his boats. <laughs> I can. That's actually, I respect that's that. That's kind of relatable in a lot of ways. So he's far <laughs> from land. Ahab doesn't have access to much medical care. Therefore, he went unimaginable physical and mental suffering, of course. On the ship's return to Nantucket, which is what Ishmael thinks kind of explains his madness. And his uh, re- revenge wish. Well,
1: duh, a yeah. whale ate his leg. I'd want revenge, too. I wouldn't be like a, like... a little
0: bit, like, it's kind of silly to ha- take revenge on something that... No, it's not. That doesn't have intention. Like... Took my leg. Anyway. Because... Ishmael begins a discussion of whiteness. But he's white. Noticing its use as a symbol of virtue, nobility, and uh, racial superiority. why wow. To him, you can't color... White! wage what. <laughs> <laughs> Just over that. <laughs> to Ishmael, the color white only multiplies the terror when, is, when it is attached to any object already terrible in and of itself, e.g., a shark or a polar bear. Ishmael describes Ahab's attempts to locate Moby Dick.
1: Okay, give me, hit me.
0: Ahab believes that he can predict where the whale will be by tracing currents that the whale might follow in search of food. He is also aware that Moby Dick has been known to show up in a certain place at the same time every year, you know, normal whale migration habits. Ahab's single minded focus occasionally leads him. To burst into fits of shrieking.
1: <laughs> like Alana. <laughs> He's an opossum. You're Ahab.
0: <laughs> Ishmael speculates that these fits are the result of the remainder of Ahab's soul trying to escape from his demented psyche. <laughs>
1: it is I <Mad-Eye>
0: Moody. <laughs> and wrote thanks for that spark note. So that, was, that was a spark note. Spark note? sentence just... that I thought went super hard. So good. In the meantime, they catch a few whales.
1: Oh, but it's not Moby Dick, so it doesn't matter.
0: For one thing, the contracts Ahab has with the crew demands it, and they'd be justified in mutiny if he restricted their ability to make money. Remember, they only make a cut of what the ship makes.
1: You know what's crazy to me? Whales. Mm. They're fucking huge, right? They are fucking huge. How do they get them? How how much huger is the ship?
0: It's pretty big. Like, They how, cut how... them into pieces. They actually cut them into pieces when they're slashed to the side of the ship. Uh... And then they get the bits and they bring them on board. They don't put the whole whale on the
1: ship. Yeah, I was going to say that. So, um, yep. aside from like whale oil, which I'm guessing is like rendered fat from like the blubber, how else do you make money off the whales?
0: I'm so glad you asked that. And so is Herman Melville, because we're going to have a, over 10 chapters on it later, but just sit tight, okay? Okay. <laughs>
1: I'm sure the audience can tell from your tone that you were just at the end of your Moby-Dick tether.
0: Like, okay, you ready to keep going? Are you? We're not even halfway through. We gotta keep going. We gotta, yeah. Okay. First pot of whales they see, the men prepare to send out the ships. When five dusky phantoms appear around Ahab. Whoa. Stowaways? A secret crew of Ahab. The leader is a man named Fadala, a dark, sinister figure, according to Ishmael. Where'd they come from? What are they? Below deck somewhere. <gasps> With a Chinese jacket and a turban made from coiling his own hair around his head. His crew are described by Melville as, and again, this is awful.
1: Great. Hit me.
0: <laughs> Tiger Yellow, natives of the Manila's.
1: Oh, I'd love to be described like that. <laughs> yeah. Put that in my... Let's put a new body. I'm a tiger
0: after. yellow native of the Manilas. Manilas? According to... Isn't yeah, yeah like that's the what the they used to call the Philippines, I guess. Oh, dope. Or at least not this fucking guy used to call the Philippines. That
1: is legit how I'm going to describe myself
0: <laughs> now. Ishmael realizes these must be the shadowy figures he saw boarding the Pequot at dawn in oh, Antarctica.
1: Oh, the ten people mm-hmm. in the trench coat. <laughs> they're trying to buy like a Um, movie ticket but for one
0: (laughs) plus there um there's been like strange noises coming from the hold and ahab goes down there all the time so everyone's like oh okay the ship's not haunted we just (laughs) had like a whole crew of stowaways
1: thank god there's no (laughs) ghost
0: everyone stares at them which i think is fair because like you're the captain you could surely just hire them like regular sailors yeah so whatever what's their secret i think that it's just that um like it's not done for a captain to have his own crew for a whaleboat.
1: Yeah, what is that secret crew? What do they do?
0: So they're they're a whaleboat crew. So I you know. know. how Each of the officers has a whaleboat, and they have a harponier. He has like I'm gonna have my own whaleboat. dollar's gonna be my harponier, and everyone else that I brought on that I stowed away on board is gonna be my like rowers. Yeah.
1: How many whaleboats are on this ship?
0: Um. I guess four? By way Three of both, are
1: they as big as like a like a life raft on Titanic? like that Yeah, kind of
0: like, you've seen Heart of the Sea. Heart of the Sea? Also kind of the movie I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, they get stranded in one, which is basically like a, a long, like 12 people. You know
1: what sucks? Ish. That sounds like such a cool plot, but everyone I've spoken so to so hated it. And it's so boring. And it's got Killian fucking Murphy. I know, it's got everyone. The love mm-hmm. of my entire life. It's a bummer.
0: Bummer, man. Because yeah. he, he was your brother, <laughs> The officers pull themselves together and tell everyone to focus on hunting the whales.
1: Don't the f- worry about my super secret assassin whale crew.
0: <laughs> so this first hunt is unsuccessful. Although we do learn that Flask has to stand on Degu's shoulders because he's too short to see. So that's <laughs> And that's, that's Danny DeVito, yeah. right? <laughs> on top of the guy from the Green Mile.
1: Oh my god. So michael clark duncan i think maybe who is actually passed away so maybe we'll use finger rames but as his character in dawn of the dead Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) quickwag manages to land a harpoon in a whale but the animal overturns the boat the men in quickwag's boat are nearly crushed by the ship as it passes looking for them since a squall which is like a little baby storm i think Um, That's what they call it when you get a little baby storm. (laughs) Has cast a mist over everything so they can't see them. (gasps) Finally, however, they're all okay. They get pulled aboard. After this first hunt, Ishmael decides to write his will. (laughs) He feels better afterwards and he comes to a morbid understanding of himself as a man who's already dead. And any additional time that he survives at sea will be like a bonus. Anyway, with Fadala and his crew, Ahab now has his own little whaling boat at his command. Um... Was the ship not enough
1: for him to command?
0: Well, yeah. So it seems like the point of his sneaking them on is it's super unheard of that a captain will command one of the little whaling boats, especially a captain without legs. <laughs> um, so probably something you wouldn't want the owners to know about. So that's yeah. probably why he snuck them on board, just no. so he didn't have to have that conversation with them. Of course, Ishmael and the rest of the crew are inclined to distrust these newcomers. Yeah. And Ishmael hints there's something demoniacal about Fadala in particular. Oh, yeah, Um, because
1: he's, you know, Asian. Yeah,
0: exactly. They are starting to see spirit spouts, that is, single spouts in the distance, um, when the whale isn't seen again. So it seems like a a crafty phantom is leading them on. So some think it's Moby Dick themselves, kind of luring them to their death. They sail around the Cape of Good Hope, which is the southern part of um, South Africa. That, that cape. So you've got Cape Horn, which is when you go around the bottom of South America and the Cape of Good Hope when you go around the bottom of Africa. Sure. Fun ship facts. <laughs> and they're both really dangerous passages of water. The weather there is nuts. But Ahab commands them well and they get through it alright. Oh well there you go. Yeah. Maybe he's not so bad after all.
1: Maybe him and his one leg are gonna make it after all.
0: Okay. Okay. So they run into another whaler. The Goni, or the albatross. I don't know why it has two names. Just because it's cool. Yeah. Um, It's been at sea four years and looks spectral to Ishmael. Ahab calls out to them. He calls this out to every single boat. Thou sinnest the white
1: whale. (laughs) Y'all seen Moby (laughs) Dick?
0: Yeah. Um, The other captain (laughs) tries to respond, but the wind carries his voice away no the school that's how it sounds that Um, could have been a yes know. (laughs) the schools of fish that have been following the pequot and it's wing, i guess like surfing um ditch and turn to follow the albatross instead
1: well that's not good a
0: bad sign bro or just chance bro that ain't
1: that that ain't it chief
0: (laughs) (laughs) um ishmael has another ponder and he thinks that although it sounds grand To circumnavigate the globe, it really just amounts to going in circles, doesn't it?
1: Well, the globe is circular, so... Mm. Wait, did they believe it was flat back then still?
0: No, no, they'd figured it out by then. Mm. Normally, ships would sidle up to each other and the captains would exchange news, including letters from Nantucket and i Oh, like bus
1: drivers when they wave at each other? I love that!
0: (laughs) Um, However, Ahab isn't interested in hanging out with anyone who doesn't have news of the White Whale.
1: It's me at work.
0: Ishmael then tells us a story about an entirely different ship and a weird mutiny they had for no reason at all.
1: Shut the fuck up, Ishmael. <laughs>
0: then he talks about paintings of whales for three chapters. Three? Yep. Then he talks about Brit. Um, Brit is what I, I think is what they called krill. Oh. So it's what baleen whales feed on. Um, ba- Like, right, right whales. It's
1: crazy that whales, a huge fucking unit,
0: mm-hmm. mostly eat like teeny, teeny, tiny fish. Teeny, teeny tiny food. but it's like rice you know we eat rice and each individual rice is teeny teeny tiny but we get a spoonful of big spoon of it you know so it's but, actually uh, a lot of just, but, <laughs> you know a spoon of rice I,
1: how many krill can there be in the ocean so many whoa.
0: less now anyway
1: well okay
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't
0: like what this book has done to you
1: maybe you're Ahab and Moby Dick <laughs> is your book? Moby Dick
0: <laughs> whoa Whoa. whoa man whoa. they run across what they think is a whale oh so that thing about brit that was a whole nother chapter they run across what they think is a whale but it turns out to be a giant squid another bad omen oh no and then we get a wait do like... they
1: not want to catch the giant squid
0: no oh i know you think it would be you
1: think it'd be pretty cool like yo check out this huge squid
0: Then we get a chapter-length description of the whale line, which is a rope made of hemp that connects to the harpoon and dangles free at the other end, so it can be tied to other boats' lines. That does not need a chapter. Sometimes it takes men with it when it whizzes out of the boat after being stuck into a whale, so it's like a big heavy rope and it can just whip you into the water. Stubbs (laughs) kills a whale is the name of the next chapter and really contains all you need to know.
1: Stubbs kills the whale. Stubbs
0: kills a whale. Oh, Yay! We get a few more chapters talking about the tools and things in whaling. We get a chapter for the dart or the harpoon. One for the crotch, which is a wooden support for the harpoon. Kind of makes sense.
1: Can't they have just put it in the harpoon chapter?
0: You'd think. (laughs) We spend a chapter on Stubbs eating a whale steak from the whale he caught and killed. While he feasts on the steak and tells off the black cook fleece for not making it right. Uh, Sharks feast on uh, the part of the whale's corpse, which is still below the water. Lots of the sharks all over the place. Yikes. Stubbs tells the cook to quiet the sharks down, basically tormenting and bullying him until he delivers a very reasonable sermon to the sharks, encouraging more civilised behaviour. Um, but as Stubbs continues to torment him, Fleece says Stubbs himself is very much like a shark. Though it is supposed to be funny. His sermon resonates with Ishmael's mention of the sharks following slave ships for a taste of their human cargo. Hey, when nice. one dies you just Yeah, anyway. Fleece instances the undercurrent of racism and abuse within the supposedly meritocratic order aboard the Pequod. Thanks Sparknotes for that one. Then we get a full chapter on the whale as a culinary dish. Kill me. Great. So
1: so far in this hour and a bit I have learned nothing. So now I've learned that Ahab really that 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 whale really got his goat. <laughs> he's really he's aching Truly, for it. Yeah. um Ishmael, boring, whatever.
0: He does. He doesn't do much except tell the story. To be honest, squeakwag. Squeakwag's cool.
1: My fave, my boy. Kevin Hart's there hanging out. Yeah.
0: He get him. He has more to do in the second part.
1: Oh thank God, good for yeah. him. Him and his tambourine. At the moment, he's
0: just playing the tambourine.
1: Begging the sea to take mercy on him.
0: Yeah. Same. But mm. it didn't. So.
1: Can't wait to hear all about. Um,
0: the ne- the rest how of else the you make
1: money from whales? The ten chapters. Yeah. That get you're r- looking forward to. Get ready. So this is what I've learned. Uh, you hate this. <laughs> and. Catch you on you the
0: other side.
1: Where you'll still hate this.
0: Yeah. Um. This is fun for me. <laughs> Just, um. Be good to each other. <laughs> <laughs> it honestly sounds like you're gonna kill Don't. yourself after
1: this. What is Herman Melville done to you?
0: Apparently, in the movie, he's played by Ben. What's his name? The English guy. Wishaw. Oh, Paddington! Yeah! He pa- plays Herman Melville in the Paddington. In the thing about the Exeter. The Exeter, I think, I'm pretty sure that was the name of the ship. Um, that was the one that got destroyed by a whale, by a sperm whale. Paddington. And then they were lost at sea for like weeks and weeks and they ended up eating each other to survive. Paddington. So that doesn't happen in this. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm going to watch that
0: part. Yeah. So this was, yeah. So the movie was kind of based on a real um, story.
1: What else did I learn?
0: Oh. And you're gonna put um, Tiger Yellow in your Tinder profile now?
1: <laughs> tiger Yellow, what is it? Native uh, of the Manilas. N- of the Manilas. <laughs> if I ever get back on Tinder, sure. Let's mm. just. It's hard looking for the, my Moby Dick on Tinder. I'm like, hey, I'm going, y'all seen?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thou seenest <laughs> the white <laughs> whale.
1: And the white whale is a, um, a good man that will treat you well and <laughs> fucking Aww. good and hard.
0: A dick and down.
1: I'm Moby Dickin' down. <laughs> 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 He's licking himself. Are you sore? What's so Cuban dogs do that?
0: Mm. Unless it's their balls. And it's gross.
1: He doesn't have balls. He's D6. Cause you know we care about animals of this house. Yeah. Please D6 your pants.
0: Wishbone's getting done soon. Poor thing.
1: Who's getting it done, Josh?
0: Wishbone. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a vasectomy. Just straight up castrated. <laughs>